0: I don't yeah. know, if you ever scored for a corner current? Have you ever taken a corner? I've never, absolutely not. I only give them away. Okay, let's talk about the Irish bias.
1: Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. Subscribe to the Koy Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now.
0: OTB AM With Gillette. Get into
1: your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor. With exfoliating bar. Donald O'Neill, one of the founding members of the GPA, is with us to give us his thoughts on the current impasse. Donald, on the face of it, it seems like we're not a million miles away from a solution here. And yet, this is as militant as we've seen from the GPA in a long time. So what's your take or instinct on what's going on at the moment?
0: Well, it's back to the future, really. I, I couldn't quite believe what I was reading yesterday. I'd been traveling for a few days, so I wasn't entirely up to speed, but... um it literally felt like uh, the type of, uh, you know, incident we would have encountered and, and argued back in the day. So I, I, I was just stunned that it's an issue at all, to be quite honest. Uh, it's, it's appalling.
1: Um, what, what do you think is the issue? Because like, overnight we've had um, the letter that the GA have written to the, the county executives to say, look, uh, we have restored the 65 cent for four sessions, but uh, it's bad practice for us to mandate any more than four sessions because the ESRI report in 2019 said that the it was, it was 31 hours a week was what we were asking of players. That's too much, and that's all we're willing to, to pay for. I see a little bit of merit in that, but I don't really see how it's the players' responsibility to fix that. It's actually the county managers and the county boards' problem to fix that. So it just seems like everybody kind of agrees a little bit, but they don't know what they agree on and they can't find a solution.
0: Well, I mean, to put this in perspective, that issue has never been anything but um, one of the biggest issues facing players. I remember sitting down with my my cousin James McCartan when we were at Queen's University and tracking the hours that he was doing uh, between travel. He was playing from everybody from Ulster to International Rules to 21's County Club. And I can assure you it was a lot more than 31 hours even back then. That issue has never been addressed. And I don't think it can be addressed in the context of an amateur sport. And because there are no contractual agreements uh, to which the the players are bound and the the county boards are are, are equally bound, you don't have any framework uh, outside of, you know, a a fair play mechanism. And the GA don't do fair play. They do money and they do what suits them. And that hasn't changed. And again, this is it's just back to the future stuff. It's absolutely remarkable that this is even being discussed in in 2022. I'm just astonished.
1: The um, The solution does seem to be to get the county boards to pay for any extra sessions over the four. It doesn't seem like it's that difficult to work out. It's just that we were talking about this a little bit earlier on. County boards notoriously cheap. Who's going to tell, who's going to make the the case that actually the players have done five sessions or six sessions? Is, is the GPA representative automatically then accused of being treacherous was the word that Owen used earlier on? Like, how, how could you potentially police a limit in the number of sessions?
0: Well, you can't. It's never been possible. It's not possible within the current framework. And again, that's because of the amateur nature of the sport. Um, players will always want to perform at their zenith. So any athlete and anybody who's ever competed at any level in any sport will understand the desire that, that burns in any individual, uh, male, female, uh, if they're at an elite level or thereabouts, or trying to get to that level, um, they're going to do everything they can. And they're certainly not going to listen, to listen to old boys in suits telling them you should only be training three days a week. That's complete and utter nonsense in the context of elite sport. So we need to give the players the best opportunity to put on their best performance, and and that's um, and that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing the appetite of the players to be the best they can be, and we're seeing you know the the old guys in suits doing what they always do, uh, trying to dictate something that that really makes no sense at all. And uh, you know, it, it's um, maybe listen, may, maybe it's it's a slight failure in the GPS part that they haven't been taken seriously enough in negotiations to to allow this to happen. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a party to that. But if I was in the GPA's uh, seat, I, I would be acting uh, very, very aggressively against this because it needs to be put to bed and the GA need to be put back in the box, in my opinion.
2: Do you think it's viable for county boards to pick up the tab on the remaining expenses or does that just illustrate then the, the inequalities between different counties?
0: Well, I mean, I've always said that, you know, many, many county boards are completely uh, inept. They're run on a very amateur basis. I, I have had dealings with some of them directly. And it's, uh, it's something that has never been addressed. We put proposals to the G8 20 plus years ago, how they might go about that. They were ignored. They've done nothing in the interim. So it's no surprise that county boards find themselves, you know, creaking at the seams. They always have and they always will do uh, in, in this type of framework that we see which really never never changes within the, uh, the context of the GAA's macro structures. So that's not going to change. But this is not, you know, the, the county boards are units of the GAA. So it's for the GAA and the county boards to sort this out, it's not for players to have to scramble for for petrol money and expenses. It, it's absolutely ridiculous in this day and age. So the GAA need to get their house in order. And I think the GPA need to, you know, really respond very aggressively to make sure they do that. And this this is not an issue that ever comes back. Round the block again because, frankly, it's it's ridiculous.
1: What would you do, Donald, if you were if you were if they were to seek your counsel today? And uh, there's some talk of disrupting throw-in times at the weekends. What would you do to make sure that it doesn't happen again?
0: Well, the one the one strategy that um, we had in the back pocket, and we never triggered it. And obviously, it's hypothetical to say whether it would have uh, the players would have fully complied or not. Um, but I would say, certainly, we're happy to play the matches, but turn the cameras off. You can have your radio coverage, but uh, please turn the cameras off, or we will not be taking the field. You need to hit the GA where it hurts, because nothing else works, and nothing has changed in 20 years. Clearly, so that would be my advice. Um, you know, to, to to go in very, very hard, because here we are 20 years later with the same old issues, and you know, the GA had a very successful year last year. You might say commercially. So I don't see how there is. Any rationale for penalising players, especially with the cost of living crisis that's that's now emerged. I I, I just, I find it unfathomable that the GA could act in this manner at this point in time.
1: That's interesting. So it wasn't a strike as in we're not going to play the games. We're going to play the games. We're going to give everybody who attends the games the opportunity to see the game. And we're going to give everybody the opportunity to experience the game uh, by listening to it. But the commercial contracts that you have around broadcast rights will be affected.
0: Correct. And each and every sponsorship that the GA engages in is, you know, directly connected and feeds off uh, those television pictures. So that was a mechanism that we identified to be very, very powerful. You wouldn't ostracize the, the fans. People could still listen to the game. They could still attend the game. But turn the cameras off, and now, of course, we've got additional sponsors and shirts. I mean, were the players consulted on any of that? I mean, they're are billboards to an extent that they haven't been at any time in the past. So the train just keeps moving down that uh, you know commercial track, and the players seem to have stalled somewhere down the line. So th- that's what I see. And, and you know, as I said at the outset, there it's back to the future stuff, and and it's not good enough.
2: There has been some form of of protest in players not coming out to do post match interviews on Saturday and Sunday at the weekend. But there are a couple of exceptions to it: Jack O'Connor, John Mahon, and porrick Joyce. Three of the managers who, who come to mind who, who came out and, and did speak to the media. Does that damage the impact of the the, the strike and the the, the protest, in your opinion?
0: Well, if Porek Joyce had done it 20 years ago, yes, but not today. He's a manager. Uh, I mean, managers do what managers do, and that's a a separate issue. So I would say absolutely not. I mean, this is a player issue, and it's for for players to address and stand up and be counted if that's what the the GPA decides. And I hope they do. I I really hope they do.
2: Uh, what was really interesting yesterday is that uh, Pat Nolan from The Mirror tweeted a couple of pages from Desi Farrell's book and uh, just to try and uh, give, give a bit of context into uh, Pork Joyce's comments because when he did speak he said that uh, he doesn't really care for, for for the GPA, those conversations are above his pay grade is, is is essentially what he said when he when he came out after the Galway game at the weekend and the context of this is uh, an incident which I had n- no idea of back in 2001 when uh, the GPA held their awards and Porrick Joyce was uh, due to get the award and then then late votes came in and, and Declan Meehan uh, became the footballer of the year. Uh, Michael Donlin, I understand, picked up the award and then the award Meehan. was, uh, Michael Donlin picked up oh, the okay, award on sorry. Meehan's behalf okay, sorry, and yeah. then, because uh, Meehan was in Boston and Joyce wasn't available in, in the first instance either and the award was sent back and I think was were you the re- recipient of the award when when it was sent back? Or uh, sorry, yeah, the, the, the literal recipient okay. of it?
0: It's a great pub quiz question. So that particular year I, I had the, the trophy for the GPA player of the year indeed in my apartment in Dublin it was sent back to me by Declan. So I, I remember it well. But um, listen, I mean, the, the reality is uh, Porek Joyce was a magnificent footballer, but he's not a footballer now. So this comes back to in my earlier point. This is an issue for the players of today. And I, I think managers, officials can sometimes get carried away with with their own profile um it's really got nothing to do with them desi's now obviously the dublin manager which casts an interesting shadow on it but again you know even he's irrelevant this is a player issue and it's for players to resolve because it will keep coming back if they don't put it to bed once and for all
2: what what happened when you received the award that time well there's some suggestion in the book that it was it was dismantled or something
0: Yes, it was. It was. It came, it came in I, I, I can could, I could still uh, see the box that came to my door and uh, I didn't know what it was. So this was obviously uh, pre-Amazon days and all of that. So it was quite unusual to get a uh, a big cardboard box in the post. Um, so yeah, it, it had been dismantled and uh, boxed up neatly and sent back to, to me in Dublin. Uh, we often joked about it afterwards. If the car had been up for grabs that year, it wouldn't have come back. But uh, there was only five hundred quid on the table of that particular year, so Opel weren't on the scene. A, but yeah, I mean, listen, it was a, it was a, a huge administrative embarrassment for us at that time. You have to put your hands up and say that was a that was a big mistake. But you know, we were savagely under-resourced at that time and we were we were literally just you know d- doing our best and, and we were taking punches from uh from all the corners at that point but uh definitely hands up our mistake um fully understandable how uh joyce and and reacted and uh i'm sure many others would have done the same thing but um it's a long time ago now and, and, and i think uh you know i think porig's comments on what's happening today are Probably less relevant than, than they were um, back then, uh, because he, he's he's a manager, he's not a player, and I think that's that's paramount here. The players need to step forward and stand up, in my opinion. Uh, was it not
2: a, a state of the art mobile phone instead of a, a, instead of a car at the point? I think it was smart um, car phone warehouse where they, the commercial sponsors.
0: Yeah, there was 500 quid on a phone. So right. that, was the, that was what was on the table at that point. But, um, did that get sent I back as well? I waited an, <laughs> and, and until 2002 before we had the car, obviously. So that uh, worked out okay for, uh, for the lads up north.
2: Did, did Declan send the, the phone back as well?
0: Um, I don't know if the phone had been delivered. Uh, car from warehouse, I'm trying to remember the detail, probably would have just sent that directly, but uh, I didn't receive the phone. Um, and I, I didn't check whether it was it was uh, <laughs> it was used or not, but uh, the trophy came back neatly, neatly boxed up, and that was one of the I suppose the the early incidents with the GPA when we didn't know whether we were going to get over the line or not. But uh, things changed very rapidly after that uh, in, in the following twelve months, and we identified the uh, the all stars as a target because we knew that um, we could inflict real commercial damage on the GA by starting our own. Uh, Awards program, sticking with it and trying to make it something uh, substantial, which which it went on to become the following year,
1: and then ultimately they ended up merging as as the as the merger and the the two organizations became very close in, in recent years. So this is a fracture in the relationship for the first time in a number of years. Really, uh, one last question for me: What do the GPA need to do, or do do they? Does it matter about keeping the the general population? And the general membership on side, or is that also irrelevant?
0: Well, no, I think it, it's it's always relevant because if you if you step forward to to take action, you'd like to think that uh, there would be compliance. And again, you know, I'm I'm so far removed from it now; it's it, it's hard to know. But you were always aware back in the day that it, it, the amateur ethos of the sport um, filtered down to the player's response to some of the issues. And I'm not sure the psychology of that is interesting because in a professional sport, when the unions move, everybody moves. Um, We were never 100 percent sure that we had that level of support at any point. And you could probably question whether the GPA has that today. I don't know. But you wouldn't really find out until you, you stepped into the ring. But, you know, m- my move would be to, um, to strike out very, very firmly against the GA because they've proven that the Leopard doesn't change its spots. And the only thing that they understand, um, you know, to, to put it bluntly, is a good kicking.
1: All right, we're going to put a request out to the GAA to come on and and talk a little bit more about um, what their plan to try and resolve the impasse is. But for now, Donald O'Neill, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Cheers. Thanks, fellas. So Donald O'Neill giving us some thoughts and insight into um, the founding fires that the GPA came from.
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting the the idea that um, a blackout, a television blackout on games, was going to be their course of action in a, in a head to head. That seems like maybe the third step here. If they do go and delay kickoffs, throw-ins, delay throw-ins this weekend, uh, will that be weekend three, the final weekend of the league? Could that be the situation they reach? Roy, I wonder.
1: Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with this. Uh, I do have sympathy with the trying to get to. a a shared amount of expenses for each team or a salary cap a wage cap like a ultimately that will dictate the number of sessions and I I appreciate Donald's point that players want to train as professionally as they can but whether or not you need collective sessions five times a week or six times a week like you probably can't have that and be amateur
2: No and I think that was actually Colin O'Rourke's point on Sunday night wasn't it that this is a move to semi-professionalism. And I would think that maybe the point came across as if he wasn't in support of what the GPA were after at all. Uh, but uh, like it isn't. Like it's... Uh, no. That the move to
1: the semi-professionalism is gone.
2: Yeah, I guess he... I guess maybe what... I'm not sure what he was trying to say, but what I took it up as maybe reading between the lines is that he feels that if you're training five times a week, you're essentially a semi-pro. Um. But I guess the definition of semi-professionalism is if you're getting paid a certain amount that allows you to half work and half not work, which this wouldn't be at all. It'd just be about limiting the amount of money that you're losing by playing Gaelic football or hurling.
1: Yeah, look, it's uh, uh, th- this is obvi- it, it. It seems like it's about something else. That this is a proxy war for something else, and um, I, d- I don't know. Will it get worse? Is there a possibility that we won't be able to watch games?
2: Well, it just feels that there is that this could have been solved quite easily and it hasn't been, which would give me a little bit of cause for concern. Uh, and, and maybe the, the, they're just not on the, the same page or maybe things you just need to be explained a little bit clearer and, and everything will get sorted out. But this shouldn't be in day five. Like This is the fifth day of the
1: story, isn't it? So we shouldn't have got this far. Um, uh, <laughs> what's the definition of a session, asks Brian. Just say session five is actually 4B, continuation of the fourth session and expense it. <laughs> that's a guy who could I want doing my accounts (laughs) maybe not your accounts but certainly uh, at the negotiation table for this and so we'll have session 4B and we'll have session 4C and away you go (laughs) lads we'll just put that in a little separate column OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with Exfoliating
2: Bar